Welcome to Creating Your Happy Place, a podcast that explores what it takes to create your happy place and then empowers you to do whatever it takes to get happy at home. I'm Rebecca West, host of Creating Your Happy Place and author of the book, Happy Starts at Home, and I'm so glad you're here today. Now, when we rent or buy a new home, we are buying into a lifestyle. We imagine walking down to the neighborhood farmer's markets to buy produce or lounging in a hammock in the backyard, enjoying a sunset, maybe hosting our friends for some potluck parties if it weren't pandemic times, or writing a novel from that sweet little office in the attic. Of course, the lifestyle dreams we have don't always meet with our realities. Here in Seattle, where I live, we're within half an hour of some of the most beautiful and accessible mountain hikes in the whole world. In fact, when I bought my Subaru, I loved that it had an eight inch clearance so I could handle driving those logging roads on my way to visit the forest. Still, I have to admit, we hardly ever make the time to go to the mountains, and I'll bet a lot of my fellow Seattleites would say the same. Nonetheless, I love knowing that the mountains are so close, so it's not a total waste. Our guest today is one of those people who decided to move looking for a change of pace. Professionally, she's a health and mindset coach who helps driven women slow down so they can ditch stress without guilt and live with an abundance of balance and joy and confidence, things we all want, I would say. Now, about two years ago, she and her hubby decided to relocate from downtown Chicago to slower-paced Asheville, North Carolina with their 11-month-old son, looking for a literal change of pace from the urban rush to not only having a yard, but also being within reach of the mountains so they can hike every weekend. I'm really curious to know if changing the geography of her home really did lead to a slower paced life more in line with the lifestyle she wanted. I'm curious to know if having a kid was part of that new need. And I'm curious to know how making this change has informed how she helps her clients. I am so excited to welcome to the show today, living in that house in Asheville, North Carolina with her husband, her toddler, and a dog, Samantha Kelgren of Simply Well Coaching. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I could just listen to you talk all day. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for that, but we'll listen to you a lot more than we'll listen to me today. I'd like to start with the, the reasons behind why you wanted to move. Like, what did you imagine that living in Asheville would give you that you couldn't achieve in Chicago? And of course, I want to know if it gave that to you. Yeah. Oh my God. We had been in Chicago for my husband's there about a year before I was, I'd been there about 10 and a half years. So we, we spent our time there and it is a great city. It is a very high vibration and I am more of an introvert. <laughs> I say I'm an extroverted introvert and you're just living at this high vibe frequency that you don't realize until I would visit my parents in Louisville or anything that was kind of slower paced. I mean, you know, the smallest building we lived in that wasn't a high rise was still a three flat where we're on mm -hmm. the top floor and you've got such shared space. And so a lot of it was just the ease of nothing is, nothing is easy. We lived with out a car for nine years. So it's, you've got to be walkable to a grocery. There's a snowstorm. How are you eating groceries? <laughs> I got one of those old lady carts, right. <laughs> to get my groceries and everything. And my husband and I would say we were starved for nature. Like we, we needed nature. And anytime you say, oh, we want to move, you know, where we can get outdoors more, you would always get the response. Oh, well, there's a great hiking trail. And they would mention something that's a solid hour drive away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, that's not what we're talking. It's not what we're talking about. Sure. It's great. Not what we're talking about. Well, yeah. you can go to Wisconsin. It's like, we're not looking to make a huge <laughs> trip. We want to have access to it. Like you're saying. And mountains was a big 
thing that we were looking for before mm-hmm. we were settled on specifically Asheville. We were looking out West, you know, we're looking at Denver. We have friends in Portland. We've been to the Seattle area and a lot of that did fit the bill. However, when we had our son and our family is in the Midwest, it's like only grandchild. Can we really move where it's a plane flight (laughs) away? So that, that was in some of that decision, you know, is there anything that's within driving that Mm -hmm. is not across literally across the country? And when we looked at Asheville, my husband had been mountain bike. He loves mountain biking. And so he had been to the area before. He's like, I really think you'd like it. You know, you should come visit it. You know, next time I go, you should just come and hang out and see it. So I did that. And I mean, it was so fast paced of we're, you know, casually looking at real estate. The last day we were here, he was here for a conference and saw the place that we now own on our way out of town. Wow. And so that conversation on the ride back was, you know, what boxes does it check? Yes, mountains, like mm-hmm. it's accessible. But when we thought of Denver, we realized, well, we're just looking for a, a big city to a big city. If we really want to change, let's do it actually a big change, not just mm-hmm. scenery. Let's do the size, let's do the pace, let's do everything. And so that is really what sold us on, on Asheville is that it is a bustling city. It's not, we kept calling it a small town and people are like, it's, it's a city. I'm like, yeah, but we're in Chicago. <laughs> right, it's, all, it's all relative like, to what you're comparing really it to. A city. <laughs> and, and it, I mean, it's around a hundred thousand, you know, compared to Chicago, it's so much smaller. And I think that the only concern I should say is, you know, we're used to walking out our door and being able to walk to, mm-hmm. I can't even count how many coffee shops. Is that going to feel like a big difference? And it just got to the point where it's like, the worst thing that's going to happen is we're going to move there and it's not going to be what we think it is. And we can move again. And right. that took a ton of pressure off. But honestly, I have never felt so like concrete in my decision. I mean, the moment we moved in, it was like, this feels, I say it all the time. I'm like, we're so lucky to live here. I mean, I tell my toddler, I'm like, well, look at those mountains. Owen. we are so lucky to live here. It just feels like that ease that I was looking for, but there is, we did not, we say it, we're not sacrificed in the food and the, you know, pre COVID (laughs) the stuff (laughs) to do. I can walk to the fact I can walk to three coffee shops. I mean, that's huge. You don't need 25 need like a solid one. And we've got three, you know, it is just like the grand scale of things. You really just need these few things. And we have that. And we have hiking, honestly, every weekend we can go mountain biking, which I'm now getting into. I've got bruises all over my legs. You can't see them, but (laughs) it's only been twice, but it really did feel like exactly what we were looking for. It does not feel too slow, which was, we're going from this really fast pace. We do went slower, but is it going to feel after a month or two, like it wore off, you know, it hasn't, I absolutely love it. We've made amazing friends and it really felt like home pretty instantly. That's wonderful. It, it sounds like you guys did a fair amount of careful, you put a fair amount of careful thought into what you were looking for. I mean, I think a lot of people move without that in much intention. Like they, you know, they got a new job or they got laid off and have to find a new job or, you know, there's other things that force them into a move. And you guys really, it sounds like you very intentionally chose where you were moving to. How did your careers play into that? Luckily, we both work for ourselves (laughs) or my husband Mm -hmm. was working part-time for himself and part-time for a company in Chicago. Yet 
he could do remote, like, you know, pre-COVID when it was not as easy, quote unquote, to do remote work. So he stayed contracting with them for the first, like at least six months maybe even a year that we were here. And now his business has taken off. Like we're both working from home before mm-hmm. the pandemic. It was like, well, this isn't different. <laughs> this isn't much different. And so that was really nice that it was not, it was not a decision that had to be tied to, can I get work there? Or right. for me, can I get clients there? It's like, I work virtually. I work with my clients on the phone. I had been since before we moved. So mm-hmm. that was really nice. And using, you know, any in-town networking things, it's like, well, I can still use those and meet these people locally, yet my business is just the same. So that was really nice not to have that um, constraint of, are there tech jobs? Are there health and wellness? I mean, Asheville, it's all health and wellness. So (laughs) I'm fine there. (laughs) Yeah. But it's interesting Um, that you mentioned that because I, because of the pandemic, you know, the world has shifted and a lot more people are working distance working instead and, and, and probably will from what we're hearing after the actual pandemic has finished. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are going to have a lot more agency in choosing where they live and being more intentional about that than they might have a few years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think you can see it with the real estate market here is, you know, I think because now we're looking like, do we want to get land somewhere and build something for like, mm-hmm. what's next? You know, we do love being here and it's so harder. It's so much harder to find even places that friends are coming in, you know, maybe they've been renting and they want to move. And I'm like, wow, we really did find at the right time because if jobs were holding you back, like you said, it's not holding you back anymore. And right. This is a vacation town. I mean, it's a big, we run an Airbnb. It's a lot of tourism. Yeah. And we say all the time, we'll be, you know, camping and we're going on a hike. I'm like, this is where we would, this is where we come visit. Like this would be our vacation spot. And And your home spot. We live here. Yes. Yes. So I think that now that people are able to do that more, these towns like this are, you know, with the job, job barrier, not being a barrier anymore Mm -hmm. or filling up. That's really interesting to be kind of living through history like that. (laughs) And now I'm curious because it sounds like you have had an incredible outcome, but I'm guessing it wasn't all easy along the way. So what challenges did you face while you were making this change, both at the beginning and then also as you were getting settled into the new spaces? Yeah. Well, I mean, part of that was he's now three, but he was 11 months when we were moving, which was just a challenge logistically sure. <laughs> to move with the baby. The biggest thing I'd say was, you know, we had to make it work. We were not looking to sell. We wanted to be able to keep our Chicago home. And you, which you we still are, have your Chicago home We now? still have it, although now we might be looking to sell it. It's always a conversation. And a lot of that is COVID. It's who's coming to bigger cold cities, right? But some of that was, okay, how can we finance both places? And he, my husband had just switched to part-time, which is a lot harder to Mm -hmm. get a loan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was really getting a lot of help with that of like, Hey, look, you can look at my history, but this last year doesn't count. So (laughs) how do we work with that? So it was working with some lenders on getting creative of like, how can we make sure this is like feasible for us to do on paper? That's actually a really good point, you know, because we just talked about the freedom and flexibility that working for Mm -hmm. yourself can have. Um, And obviously if you're remote working for a big company, it's not the same thing, but if you're working for yourself, you might have the freedom and flexibility to move anywhere you want, but will the banks take you seriously Mm -hmm. when it comes to looking at the non-conventional financial record? It is definitely something to look for, especially because since he had just switched to part-time, he was still with this company that he'd been with for five years, Mm -hmm. but because technically it said part-time, 
it made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can look at my history, you know, all of this, but we had to get really, I mean, that was like, we were supposed to close like the next week. It was a very (laughs) stressful week there, but a big reason we were able to do that is because the previous owners of this home ran an Airbnb. The house was originally made to have a walkout studio for a yoga studio. Hmm. So it's detached. I mean, it's, you know, and detached entrance yeah. and it was a yoga studio. And then the previous owners made an Airbnb and they're like, we can transfer, you know, you can, you don't have to keep doing the Airbnb, but if you want, we can transfer the Airbnb business to you. And we had not even considered doing an Airbnb until then, but they basically just handed it to us. And we had like a trial or about a month. We were kind of co running it just on the messaging. Huh. And then we took it over. And that's the reason we were able to make that work because we had the mortgage covered like instantly. That so, is so interesting. I didn't, yeah. is that something that's <laughs> happening that happened through Airbnb? Like, do they facilitate the transfer of ownership or was they help you transfer it? I, I believe. Yes. It. Yeah. And so with that, with that realization of like, oh, we could do Airbnb, we decided to do Airbnb in our Chicago place. We knew we didn't mm-hmm. want to sell. I mean, we did, you know, we knew we didn't want to sell it, but we didn't know if we were just going to do long-term renters or what. And when we looked at Airbnb, we're like, why don't we do Airbnb in this place too? So we had the logistical part of that was we saw this place in October, made that decision. And in November, we started getting work done on our home in Chicago, like drywall and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And needed to get it set up for an Airbnb. You're not just moving all your stuff out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you can't have two sets of furniture in the smaller place in Chicago. So we, at Thanksgiving weekend, drove a budget (laughs) truck with all the stuff we wanted, minus like what we could live with for a month in Mm -hmm. Chicago and moved all Airbnb, like outfitted for the Airbnb and had some of our things. And then at Chris lived there for a month. And then at Christmas moved the last of our stuff. Yeah. So it was figuring out that logistical transition of how are we going to do this? <laughs> Once we figured out it was fine, but it was the timing of everything to be able to purchase this place in North Carolina and start running the Airbnb from mm-hmm. it. And yeah, how did you, cause yeah. like Asheville and Chicago are right next door to each other. No, they are so not. Even, even now, how, like, do you have a management team running the yes. Chicago one? Okay. Yes. Where's a local place is called all set. It's in Chicago and they we're like, well, you know, the Chicago market. And so they are, we're in communication with them a lot, but they are managing the you know, every like switching everything. If you know, lights are out or something, they're communicating. Right. Yeah. All of that stuff. So it has been a challenge, but I feel like, I mean, it wouldn't have been possible without that. We couldn't have done it. You can't yeah. do it. <laughs> you can't use it's impossible. And with this place here, you know, we're just managing, obviously I can run down when my son's napping and flip it or in the evening. So it's a studio. So it takes like 30 minutes. Right. Um, And there was really only maybe two months or so early COVID where, you know, both of them shut down. So it was like, okay, now we don't have any income coming in from that, but luckily it was up and running. And especially with this being a small place and not people are not in our home, we've been able to keep that up and keep it, keep it safe and clean. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in fact, when I think about, I mean, I am an avid Airbnb user. I love 
staying in VRBOs and Airbnbs. And I consider them actually safer than hotels and other options because, you know, in hotels, you've got lots of public spaces and the yeah. lobby and everything. And at least in an Airbnb, I've got my own space. And the, while I'm mm -hmm. there, it's only me and my family, you know? So. Right. Oh, I agree. I mean, we got this spray that we spray and leave the windows open for like a full night and in between guests. So we can't do, we don't do, I guess we could, but we don't, we don't do same day checkout, check-in. Mm -hmm. So if someone checks out at 11, no one is in there until the following day at three earliest. Which probably so also makes it easier good. on you. It's a small financial change, but yeah. you're not so stressed about making sure that one is done and the other is ready. I don't think we're going to go back. Honestly. <laughs> it's, it's been really nice not to have that like same day turnaround. Yeah. And we're, we're still making it, you know, it's like you get to that point where, okay, what is it worth the stress? You right. know, if this is running just fine and we are not like not eating because of it, <laughs> then like, it's fine. Let's just set it up that way. And I think, you know, for a long time, people are going to feel more comfortable with that as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, you just talked about that's, that's easier. It's less stress for you. I mean, you're mm -hmm. running a company, you're raising a child, you're running this Airbnb and per peripherally taking care of the Chicago one. You help people have less stress, but you're still managing and juggling a lot of things. And I think that's uh -huh. important for people to hear because when you think about reducing stress, a lot of people think, well, I need to do fewer things. And I know that's simply not part of like my cellular structure. I can't seem to do fewer <laughs> things. I want to do all the things. You are my people. Yes. Oh yeah. I have a great <laughs> when I was reading about your bio, but I'm curious, do you, you know, you're juggling a lot of things. Do you mm. feel like there are times when you have to stop doing a thing? Do you feel like you're doing like what I'm really asking here is, yeah. are you able to live the lifestyle that you are trying to help other people live given that you are juggling all these things? Yes. And I totally hear what you're saying. It's, I don't like doing nothing. Right? <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> and I think that what I had before, and some of it was like living in Chicago was feeling like you, you should all the shoulds, <laughs> I yeah. should be doing these things. And what has shifted for me was figuring out what is most important. What is the deal breaker? And so when my schedule is full, it's full of all the things that I like doing. So yes, it's a full schedule. Yes, I am busy, but it is full of things that deserve my time. Mm -hmm. And also in there is time to read. Also in there is time to do yoga. Also in there is time to go mountain biking with my husband. And so as soon as you, what I help people do is make those kind of guideposts for themselves. Okay. If this, you know, project X starts dipping into project Y that is also important, that's a sign that it's too much. Mm -hmm. when I can't do these things that fulfill me. And so it really is looking at what, what is most important to me to make me feel good and productive and, and whole mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of, I should take that on. I should take that on. And it has helped me weed things out. It has helped me grow in my business hugely because I'm not doing, oh my God, they have a YouTube channel. I should do a YouTube channel. It's like, <laughs> that's not me. Maybe it will be in a year. It's not me today. So I don't worry about it. Well, there's a, I think I saw a quote on your Instagram feed that said something like good for them. It's not for me or something it's like my that. Favorite It's Amy Poehler. And it is, oh, just repeat that as much as you can. You see someone doing something and you think I should <laughs> instinct is, oh my God, I should be doing that. Oh my God. She, you know, I say she makes her own hummus. <laughs> I should be doing that. <laughs> do you want to do that? If you don't want to do that, you know, you don't have to say like, she, you know, that's stupid that she's doing that. It's no, that's great. She's loving that. 
that's not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's not for me. And it is just this huge relief that I can feel women get when they kind of adapt that approach of, I can see another woman doing this thing that looks like it would be amazing, but I don't see that in my life. You know, people love living in downtown Chicago and I loved it while I was there. I was ready to go. There are people that do it without a car, with multiple children, live downtown and love it. That is not me. And I release all guilt of, I should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. No one should be like, no. If it's not for you, it's not for you. This is, I found what is me and it really makes the decisions. And like I said, what's worthy of my time a lot easier. Yeah. And I think that's a good tool, as you just said, repeat that as often as possible, because (laughs) what a great tool, for example, when we're scrolling through our Instagram feeds and seeing the the latest gorgeous room and we're feeling like my kitchen should look like that. Well, okay. Maybe it is a trigger to action, or maybe it's just that you can enjoy the pretty picture of that person's kitchen and keep going. Like- yes, yes, <laughs> it is. It is so true. And you think of what, what always helps me and, and clients is, okay, put yourself in if you were doing that. What would that look like for you? So to have that kitchen, whatever it is you saw, to have that room spotless with mm-hmm. nothing on the tables, <laughs> what would that really be like to live in? Would that be stressful to keep up? Do you have three young kids <laughs> and you're like, if I got a white carpet, I would be like legitimately insane <laughs> for doing that. Yeah. It's not the time in your life for that. And if you don't, if you feel like, God, I should do that, but when am I going to find the time? It's not for you. Right. Because if it is something that's for you, it's like, oh my God, yes, I know you're an instantly know where you can fit that in or instantly know how you can make that work. Cause you want to do it. Well, you said, you just said the phrase what about time, right? Is this time for you? Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the things I was curious about, as I said at the beginning was, did having your son, do you think that was part of triggering this change for you? Like if you hadn't had your son, do you think you'd still be in Chicago? Because I do find yeah. that there's some seasonality to our lives and the things mm-hmm. that we need. I, I 100% agree. Not fully. I think it did somewhat expedite it, but we have been talking before I was even pregnant about how long, like, I think if someone mentioned, even before I was pregnant, like you're going to live here for the next 10 years, I would have been like, I can't like, Mm. that's, it feels like too much. You are already done. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I hate living here. It was, I can't do this long-term. I would see people, I just mentioned this the other day, we're talking about weather. I'm like in Chicago winter. And I would see people like elderly people getting off the bus. And I'm just like, why are you still here? How are you doing? This is hard for me. (laughs) It is five degrees. You're waiting for the bus. I'm in my thirties and this is difficult. I do not know how you're doing this. And so just that kind of level of stress where I remember moving here and my son was like still in a high chair. And I was like, I need to take the trash out. The trash was a nightmare in Chicago. It was down three flights. It was through, it was awful just dealing with it. And he's in the high chair and I just walk out the front door, put the trash in the trash can, came back and I'm like, that was amazing. <laughs> that was so easy. Yeah. Um, so I think some of it like was already in motion. We knew we weren't going to be there long-term. We knew that that is not where we, whenever we had kids wanted to raise our family. And we also knew we didn't just want to move to the suburbs. Cause I always said, I'm like, if I'm not in Chicago, I don't want to be in Illinois. We don't have family there. The weather's hard this is not where I see 
us being. Mm -hmm. And so that conversation has started, that checklist has started mountains. <laughs> you know, we want to be able to be outdoors. We yeah. want a home. We don't want to live in, in a high rise or, or a shared building anymore. We're ready for a home with, even if it's a small yard with a yard. Yeah. So we had these ideas first and then it came, you know, to, I got, I mean, we did IVF, so it took a little while to get pregnant, but once mm. I was pregnant and, and had him, God, pregnancy, walking up those three flights of stairs is <laughs> rough. <laughs> that was rough. And then had him and just the logistics of it. Now we have a car in the city. It just became like that tipping Too point hard. of yeah. it's going to be sooner than later. So yeah. I'd say it was already in motion, but it probably sped it up. And then coming to visit here with him, we brought him. He was like nine months old, eight months old. And we came to visit that October and it felt like, oh, this is where I can see us being now that I've got more of a picture of what our family looks like now, this is what we can see mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely helped that. <laughs> and, you know, you talk about ease and it's one of the things that I consider an important part of being happy at home is that you're not working so hard for your house that instead your house is working hard for you and making your life easier. But what easier is going to look like will depend on the person right? For mm -hmm. some people being able to walk to 20 coffee shops is a mark of ease and taking yeah. out the trash, even if it's a, an event isn't hard. So it always mm -hmm. comes back to, well, what do based on our lives, our needs, everything, what's hard for us, what would be easy for us? And how does that align with this the situation we've put ourselves in, in terms of where we're living? Right, right. It is. And I think it's so interesting just thinking of, you know, how we see how other people live and there's going to be people that are like, I couldn't live, I couldn't live where, you know, in Asheville, like it's too small or right. there's not enough going on. I'm like, I'm maybe I guess I'm more than a homebody, but like, I don't, on our honeymoon, we went to Hawaii and stuff closed down at 10. I was like, perfectly fine with them. Like, I don't need to be out, <laughs> I need to be out best. <laughs> and that's like pre-kids. But I do think that it is such a fun different culture here. It is, you're at the brewery. I mean, that is like a family event is just hanging out at the brewery with outside by the river. And that is what I want to do with my time. I don't, you know, living in Chicago, we would go out obviously, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't imagine not doing this. Right. It was, this is fun for now. Cause this is here, but I'm not going to need to fill this gap. It's not going to feel like a gap if I leave it. Yeah. So let's talk about the home that you're in now. What do you love about it? What in your home makes you seriously happy? Oh, it's the light. There are so many windows and like in our living room and in our bedroom that don't even have shades. They're just smaller up towards the top, towards the ceiling and go around the entire room. And I mean, maybe it's because I'm a morning person. So I'm up already. Maybe my husband might have a different opinion, <laughs> but we've just got plants in the windows and it just feels, it just feels light. It just feels happy, honestly. I mean, and that is not just coming from me. That's when people visit is like, oh my God, like just looking around there are high ceilings. There's, I don't know what he's going to come in. I don't know what kind of what it is because he always talks about it, <laughs> but the architecture, the family that built it originally, they built it for themselves. And so it's like custom wood on the, on the rafters that then match the wood on the stairs going up to our bedroom matches the bookcase. So there's kind of these themes, but it just kind of, it kind of just flows. It yeah. feels very open and 
there's two really great outdoor spaces. And I just love that because we did have a rooftop in Chicago. Mm. So although it wasn't, you know, most of the year, like it is here, we love using that rooftop. We used it a ton and we have a balcony on the front and then a deck that's in the back and the Mm. deck in the back, once there's leaves, like we're getting leaves now is enclosed and there's a major road, not too far, but you don't even notice it when those leaves are in, we'll eat out there in the summer and it's just like your little oasis. And so that feels really, really different where if we were to move, I would need a replacement for that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And you said that when you were setting it up, one of the struggles you had was figuring out the quiet because you said you guys work for yourselves. So you're working from home (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you guys got to address the the struggle of how do we create those spaces long before the whole world faced the struggle of how we create those spaces. So how did you figure out the quiet and the space and the my time, his time, work time, et cetera? Right. So for the first two years, and granted, we've been here not even two and a half, mm-hmm. first two years until like February, I was just working at the kitchen table. That was like my dedicated workspace. And it's honestly not bad because I've got a great view out the kitchen window, which is all leaves. And now our neighbor has put up a bird feeder that is kind of like, I feel like I'm like going to get distracted because I just sit there and like, <laughs> like Ooh, what <laughs> kind of bird is that? And so that's not been bad, but it is nice to have that space that is mine mm. and that didn't feel like my, it's the kitchen table. It's not my space. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little nook up in our, our master bedroom is pretty much the whole floor whole floor upstairs. It's the master bedroom, a walk-in closet and the bathroom. But then there is this little secondary closet that the previous family used. They had two kids used for their Mm three-year-old. So I had this lofted bunk in it and it was kind of wasted space for us. Our son is downstairs and I kind of put different pillows on the little bunk bed, Mm -hmm. but we weren't using it. Yeah. There's some random toys in there. So sometimes I would play in there, but it wasn't like, I'm like, this is not a useful room. But I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And I was like, this could be, okay, this could be an office. And I was like, well, we could take the bunk bed out. Like it two years and never occurred. Like we just take this bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, within that week, you know, my husband's like, oh, well you can have my desk. I want to get this new desk. So we measured it. It fit perfectly. I decorated the whole room, which was so fun because I did not ask any opinions. You know, it's a living room. You're both going to, what rug uh-huh. should we get? And this was just like, I want these pictures. I want this bookshelf. <laughs> I've got this vision. I created a wall hanging. So that is my office space because I'm not in it like he is. He is in that office eight hours, nine hours a day. Mm-hmm. But on off times, if he is like in the evenings, if I do podcasts or, or if I've got client calls then, or on weekends during nap <laughs> is my time, <laughs> I can go up there and have that dedicated space. Yeah. So the only thing is we can't, I can't, we can't do two calls at the same time. Mm. That's the only thing, but honestly, it has not really been much of an issue. Cause a lot of times I'm scheduling stuff. If I'm scheduling stuff when my son is not in school, then my husband's with them. So then I've got <laughs> not the space. Yeah. And noise canceling headphones. Otherwise, if I'm just in there just wanting to work, then I just kind of block out his voice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been working. It's really been nice to have this kind of dedicated space. Yeah. Do you, so I'm curious how, you know, you have shaped your work environment and your home environment with a lot of intention and some surprises. So has that informed 
the work that you do with your clients? Do you think that, or I should say, what role do you think that your clients work in home environments play in finding the balance that they're looking for? Oh yeah, (laughs) it is. And especially now with COVID, right? We're seeing how we're home a lot. And I always encourage people, even if they don't have, like, we don't have a ton of space, even if it's a corner, even if it's a shelf, do something where you've got autonomy over it of Mm -hmm. this is what I want here. And I don't have to see anybody else. And this is not for us. This is for me. I think that's really important. And like I said, it does not have to be a room. It could be an area, Mm -hmm. but it's where you're deciding what it looks like. You're deciding what goes there, that you have the space for you. I do feel is really important, but you have to feel like your home is, is part of you. Cause where else can we do that? Mm-hmm. And we, we can't do that anywhere. And it is just so personal and meaningful to look at your things around you and think this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And this is not performative, performative. This is not for other people, right? This is because we like going into someone's home and it looks like them, even if it's like looking quote unquote, like a magazine, if it's not them, it's not impressive, but right. if you're like, man, this fits them. This is who they are. It's part of us. So I do think spending that time, and it doesn't have to be elaborate, but just like when you're picking out a picture, don't think, you know, I want it to look like exactly like this picture in a magazine. What do you want to look at every day? Yeah. What looks good to you? I think mm-hmm. that that's really empowering and insightful to see where your personality goes and where your mind goes to what you want something to look like. It really, the word autonomy used it twice, both when you were creating your own space. And then also when you're just talking about clients creating their own spaces. And I'm so curious, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Like, why do you think that autonomy and that control over something, no matter how big it is, why do you think that's so important? So I exclusively work with women and I think, (laughs) I know (laughs) that we're told how we should be all the messages, even if it's not someone directly telling you, which sometimes it is Mm -hmm. all the messaging is, this is what a woman should look like. This is the ideal version of women. And to have that place to say, well, that's not me. And that's okay. This is who I am is really important. And the autonomy, even just choosing what messages you want to see, you talked about looking through your Instagram Mm -hmm. and it can be really frustrating and defeating when we're going through thinking, I am not these things. If you can fill that up, like you, I tell them, like you're looking at your phone, you are in control of what's on it. Mm -hmm. You're in control of what that feed looks like. Cause my husband feed feed looks a thousand percent different than mine. And that's fine. His is mountain biking. His is like all the breweries here. I mean, that's basically, I just described his Instagram feed, (laughs) but but to have that be empowering and know this is what I want. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to choose of like the algorithm what chooses to show me. I'm going to pick what I want to look at. Mm -hmm. And that is why I think it's so important because otherwise, just like with the going back to great for her, not for me to get rid of the, I should, I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. Why can't I just make time for that? Why am I not doing that? She's doing it so easily, but the autonomy I feel is that room to say, no, this is what I want. This is what Mm -hmm. makes me, me to know ourselves better. I heard, I don't remember what podcast it was, but it was an interview of this woman and she's a coach. And she said, you know, someone asked my favorite color. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) She's like, I don't, spend any time thinking of that. I think the more we can know ourselves, the easier those decisions are, the easier it is to say, 
No, like it's important for me to be able to walk to a coffee shop. <laughs> that is important to me. And I, don't, I can read an article saying the 25 reasons that should not be important, but like, it's important <laughs> to me. <laughs> I know myself. Yeah. And just, you're much more confident when you know what you like, when you know what is worth your time, when you know what is important to you, instead of looking through Instagram or Pinterest and thinking, oh, these are the things that should be important to me. Right. If they're not important to you, it's fine. They're not important to you. It's okay. You just said like a hundred really important things. <laughs> so I'm going to try and pull out two of them. So number one, so you were talking about the Instagram or, or feeds world, right? And mm-hmm. I love that we, we touched on that because our environments aren't limited to the walls around us. Our phones are part of our environment. Our clothes yeah. are part of our environment. The people that are in our lives are, are part of our environment. And social media is so fascinating because it is one of the few things that you had, you have 100% control over, you know, all the way from, I am not even on social media all the way to Mm -hmm. I'm a social media influencer, right? Where it's literally your whole life. And no matter where you are on that bracket, you get to determine how you engage or whether you engage. And I think people forget sometimes how much control they have. Oh, totally. I think it was on your Instagram feed again, where you gave these three ideas for how to clean up your Instagram feed. As I recall, it was a little bit of a quick diet for a couple of days. Yeah. And then it was re, you know, re coming to it again with fresh eyes and going anything that doesn't align with the three words you want to feel when you go to your social media, Mm -hmm. start unfollowing. And it was interesting because it was um, so similar to the work I have my clients do when we're designing a space for them. I say, go just choose me 10 kitchens that you would love to come home to. Don't ever think it, just make it rooms that you would love because we all know what we want to feel, what makes us Mm -hmm. happy, but it can be really hard to sort that out from all those messages you're talking about, all the shoulds and all the, what are other people doings? Mm -hmm. And we have Mm -hmm. to clear it out and then just start with what do I want? And then find the recipe for making that happen. So I just love that you brought up our feeds because they are an important part of our home environments. Oh, it is because think of how much, I mean, and no judgment, but think of how much you're on your screen, think yeah. how much we're on your phones. That's fine. It's fine to be on it, but make it a place like that you want to come make home it your to. happy place. <laughs> yeah. I love that you say that. What kitchen do you want to come home to? And so what kitchen do you like best? It's like, no, what do you want? And yeah. that's my same thing of how do you want to feel when you're on social? Exactly. How do you want that? What do you want that? Do you, how do you feel now? First, like right. think of that. How do you feel after you've been scrolling? Because a lot of people are like, oh my God, I just feel like defeated. Yeah. <laughs> or I feel more anxious or I feel like less than. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you probably followed some things that you thought were going to be motivating. Yep. And then it turned on you. <laughs> yep. And I <laughs> have usually so what happens. That's what we're talking about. And I have specifically, I, I follow a lot of home accounts because obviously it's what I do. But there are certain ones that just make me feel like I'm not designing well enough for other people Uh, or my own home isn't elevated enough. And I went, I can't have that in my head. So I unfollowed those accounts and I put in more kitten videos and I've been happy ever since. Yes, it's great. (laughs) It is. And then you think of, oh, I'm not designing well, you know, my home should be better. And then if you ask yourself, do I like what I come home to? If it's yes. Yeah. You're great. That's the thing. Oh, what do you want to do? Right. I love my home. So if I, if I take myself away from social media, I adore my home to like a ridiculous amount. 
So that's so, your truth. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the fact that it was feeling diminished by, by Instagram made me go, something is not right here. These two, these yeah. two realities shouldn't be coexisting mm-hmm. because I am happy in my home and this is making me feel poorly. So I just, I, I identified it's not the home that needs to change. Yeah. It was the feed. That's huge. And that, I mean, that's what I help people do because they get stuck in that and they're not seeing that incongruency and they're not, you know, they do think that it's something, especially, like I said, with the, you know, I say type A so lovingly and like Mm -hmm. control freak. That was me too. It is, oh, if I follow all the things and read all the things, then I can do everything perfectly. And it doesn't work like that because look how, what, how boring with it. If there are one way to design a home, well, you wouldn't have a job I was because say, there's be one way to do it. <laughs> and how crazy to think that this yeah. one ideal home would make everyone feel the same and feel happy. You yeah. know, you go into some people's homes and it feels different and that's nice. And you can like it and you can think, I wouldn't want to design my home like this, but I like being here. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, there's, there's homes we would want a vacation in and there's homes we would want to live in and they are not the same yes. thing. Exactly, exactly. The other thing you said that I thought was so profound is you talked about how by, by taking control, say of your social media or of your home spaces, it gives you confidence. And one of the things I found when I was getting divorced, which is where my, a lot of people know that's where my own story story starts with design (laughs) by taking that agency back and saying, I can paint my walls this color, or I can sell this expensive thing and buy a new quote unquote new on Craigslist thing. It gave me a way to practice making decisions, some of which were horrible. Like I'm making bad <laughs> de- decorating decisions. And you're alive. <laughs> and I'm, well, that's the thing. Some were horrible. And it taught me that nothing bad actually happened by making a decision that I had to change later. Like when you were saying you were going to move to Asheville and the worst thing that would happen is you, it was you move again. And some things that I, that I took on where I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then it worked. I was like, Oh, okay. I've got some talent. I've got some skill. And so all of those stupid little decisions about paint color and throw pillows and bedding all gave me this like really safe place to practice being confident so that when it was important dealing with say my clients, I had already built up self-confidence in a much safer playground. Yes. yes. And you figured you out what you out. like, you figured yeah. out your style because otherwise you're going out with these clients and emulating someone else's job. That's not why they right. hired you. <laughs> like, that's what, why people hire me is to do someone else's coaching or say what someone else said. It's no, we're focused on what is best for you. And I can help you do that because I went through it and figured out how <laughs> to figure that out. And that's the other thing that with coaching is you, you know, your style and you're not giving your clients just your style. You're helping them figure out what's best for them because you're through that process. I'm not giving someone, okay, here's the most important things. And here's how you schedule them. I'm helping them figure out what their most important things are. And it's going to look different from mine. I'm a big runner and I will, you know, be, well, I don't like running. I'm like, I'm not going to make you run, Like, don't, <laughs> don't run. Cool. But like, I know what it's like to feel, find an exercise that you enjoy. Yes. And feel good when you're doing it and it not to be a chore and it not to be, you know, guilt. That's where I was of like, Oh, I feel guilty if I don't run. It's like, I love running. What's happening here. I hope people <laughs> sort through that because it's the same feeling, even if the sport is different, right. It's yeah. the same 
feeling of this is, I know that this is what I want my kitchen to look like. Even if you're like, I would never in a million years have my kitchen look like that, but you can help them know that it's authentic for them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's a great place to circle this around to. So what I would ask now is what would you like to leave people with? If you could leave them with one message. Well, I love your line about what do you want to come home to? And I think it's that I think looking at the big picture view of, of your life, of what do you picture your ideal day? How does your home look like with that? What do your actions look like with that? Who are your friends are with that? What are you doing? What are you eating? What are you wearing in that ideal day? Cause that's your, it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> you can make those choices and to just get to know yourself better. And then use that as a map to follow, because if you've answered all those questions, there's not a lot left to wonder about. And all you got to do is set up your life to follow what will make you happy. Well, and you can't get it wrong. I think that's the other big thing. Mm. I think people are afraid of this is why I'm up. Is that okay? It's like, you can't get it wrong. You can always change course. You can always choose again. So make the first choice and then see if it feels right. (laughs) As every second marriage will attest, you know, you can get even the big things you're allowed to get wrong. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And where can people find you? Oh yeah. Come say, Hey, on Instagram, put me in your feed. I am at (laughs) simply while coaching on Instagram. I have a Facebook community. It's really fun. It's called ambitious women, less hustle, more flow, which Mm. is exactly what I'm about. Yeah. If you're listening, say, Hey, say you heard this. If you're visiting Asheville, I will give you my recommendations on where to check out. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I love it. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Creating Your Happy Place and that you feel a little bit more encouraged and empowered to make your home and your whole life your happy place. If you feel stuck, please remember that my book, Happy Starts at Home, is a resource for you. It's full of exercises that are meant to help you figure out why your home isn't working for you and identify what needs to change. And of course, if you have a specific design dilemma in your home, you can also reach out to my team at Seriously Happy Homes because thanks to the power of the internet, we can meet with you over Zoom no matter where you live to figure out the next practical steps to creating your happy place. In the meantime, no matter where you call home, I hope it makes you seriously happy. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time.